This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to discuss Minute number 61 of Jurassic Park. How are you doing today, Brady? <coughs> that was not timed. <laughs> I'm kind of sick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just a little sick. But um, coming back around, thanks to some steroid shots that I got uh, at the doctor's office the other day and then some steroid pills that I've been taking. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I need, to, I need to emphasize that those are like antibacterial. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, but, they're, um, yeah, steroid antibiotics to get you uh, back on the mend. But if you're ready, we can go ahead and get into minute number 61 of Jurassic Park. Let's do it. In the previous minute, we saw Ray attempt to trace Nedry's steps for the security shutdown. As the minute ended, we saw that the tour vehicles had stopped by the T-Rex paddock. At minute number 61, we see Dr. Alan Grant running back to his tour vehicle. As Grant jumps in, he tells Dr. Ian Malcolm that both of the vehicle's radios are out and that Gennaro said to stay put. Malcolm asks if the kids are okay. Grant says that he didn't ask and asks Malcolm why they wouldn't be. Malcolm says that the kids get scared. Grant asks, what is there to be scared about? It's just a little hiccup in the power. Malcolm responds by saying that he isn't scared. Grant says that he didn't say that Malcolm was scared. Malcolm says that he knows. At 61.19, we cut to a shot inside of the front tour vehicle. Tim jumps over the seat wearing night vision goggles. Lex jumps in fear. Gennaro asks Tim where he found the goggles. Tim tells him that he found them under his seat. Gennaro asks Tim if they are heavy. Tim says yes. Gennaro tells him that that means they're expensive and to put them back. Tim ignores him and crawls over the seat. Lex hits him with her hat and tells him not to scare her. Tim climbs to the back of the Explorer and adjusts his goggles. We see that Tim is able to use them to see in the dark. He remarks, cool, night vision. At 61.52, we cut to a shot of Grant holding his canteen out to catch rainwater. Grant closes the door and takes a swig of the water. And thus ends minute number 61 of Jurassic Park. So Tim breaks out the SEAL Team 6 night vision goggles there in the back. Uh, So I looked up what the price would be on a pair of goggles like that. And if you wanted to buy something like that, it would be $3,500 at today's prices. So I imagine that in 1993, they were much more expensive. Uh, Yeah. Uh, you know, and they usually these goggles work. They don't work on like a, a binocular system. It's actually just one. So what it is, it's it's a right. it's like a cyclops type like camera that takes it and puts the feed into both of your eyes. And of course, uh, you know, this a lot of video cameras are enabled with this kind of technology these days. I've seen some concept drawings of Tim wearing uh, the goggles. Yeah, yeah. So the concept uh, art that just had like the one eyepiece. Yeah. So. Yeah, so... Uh, man, are they cool looking. Yeah, they're pretty cool looking. And, it, you know, it adds for a pretty cool effect, but they don't... You know, they do a little bit with it. Uh, I thought they would do more with it in the movie. Like, maybe he'd take them with him, uh, you know, out of the car. Maybe that would be hard to get a hold of him after that thing flips over. But uh, they could have done a lot more with them in the movie. You know, he uses them to see the goat, and then he uses them to look out of the car. At, Seems like they would have come in handy Yeah. later. But I'm glad that they didn't... That might have been kind of cheesy if they set it up for something like for him to bring back later. Yeah. But uh, maybe, maybe not. I did think it was kind of cool that they showed up in Jurassic World for a second. And man, the battery life on those things must be pretty awesome. They if, showed up in Jurassic World? You don't remember that? Uh, this is how much I remember that movie. Yeah. Go ahead. What, what happened? Well, when the kids uh, when the kids find their way into the visitor center, they go into like a garage. And he sees like, there's some little elements for the fans to kind of catch, like uh, the flares and other little things. And one of them is uh, the goggles. And he like hits a button on them and the things like fire up. 
So the battery has it hadn't had like eaten through or yeah, it or right. anything. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't know enough about battery technology, but I do know that if I leave batteries laying around long enough, they start to leak stuff that you know is toxic. But uh, yeah. yeah. So um, one of my notes here is that I cannot get in the, the minute in. Excuse me. The minute begins with Grant running back into the car in the rain. I cannot get into my car when it's raining outside without closing the door and saying, "The radio's out too." Janara said to stay put. <laughs> and you know, uh, that classic line from the movie. Yeah, that classic line <laughs> yeah. that everybody gets. But um, another thing I always kind of forget or write off is uh, the fact that, like, Gennaro is kind of in charge here. This is his That's endorsement true. team. Yeah. So Grant is like our protagonist, and we would think, because he's the expert, blah, 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 everybody would be going to him for the, uh, the, the answers. And no, it's uh, Gennaro. Yeah, Gennaro is the guy who got them to come out there. He's the one to set this whole thing up. He represents the board. He is kind of the one. Because I was watching this too, and I was wondering as well. Grant walks in, and he's like, oh, I'm taking orders from Gennaro. It's like, you mean that little weasel up front that's about to run away from you guys? who is not going to be in the movie much longer. But uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense in the, in, in the movie. That also kind of ups the stakes too, is when the guy who's supposed to have the answers to say like, okay, this is our next call. Yeah. This is the movie we got to make next. Cowers and runs and dies. Then everybody's screwed. They're yeah. leaderless. Somebody's got to step up. And poor Malcolm, you know, thought he was helping out, uh, as we will see in a few minutes. Um, so I think that kind of puts a little more stress on Grant, you know. And here he is; he's got to save these two little people that he has no idea how to deal with. Yeah, it I, puts it puts everybody at stake when you're when you're the go-to guy is gone. Is dead. Yeah. yeah, somebody has to step up and be the leader, and I think Grant does a pretty good job of that. But uh, I like the exchange between him and Malcolm at the beginning of this minute. You know, like mm-hmm. are the kids scared? Uh, I didn't say I was scared. You know, clearly he's shaken, and you know he. Uh, I think is a little bit stronger of a character in well not stronger of a character but he's definitely braver of a more brave of a character in the lost world. He does kind of show yeah. some leadership skills at that point but he's about to get taken out of this movie mostly, you know. Later on he does kind of like guide Ellie through the oh, yeah, uh, system yeah. of vents that or you know the That's underground right. system that she's in but uh, he's about to to become a non-factor. I think that you know originally he was supposed to die off with Gennaro and I cannot the okay, so Richard Dreyfus, who played Hooper in Jaws, was supposed to die at the end too. You yeah. don't set up a character li- as likable like that and then just kill him off. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. And uh, you, I don't think it was their intention with, and I'm not saying this is what you're saying, but you know, their intention uh, to make the audience. Well, maybe it was their intention to make the audience think he was he was dead during that time. But it's kind of like, uh, oh, the character you like so much, oh, he's gone now. To kind of like get you all really sad, just to build him back up with, or build it back up whenever you find out he's still alive. You know, yeah. And Same I think, thing with Hooper in, in Jaws. Right when he does hit the ground, you hear him like kind of let out this little noise of uh, like he shouts or whatever. And yeah, that's kind of an indication, like okay, he's all right or whatever. But what he should are... have done is look into the camera and wink, wink. Yeah. like John Voight does in Anaconda. <laughs> When he slides out of the anaconda's mouth, like what? Yeah. Why did he just look in the camera oh, yeah. and wink? He's clearly dead. <laughs> oh yeah, anaconda man. That, that still blows my mind that that was in that damn movie. But okay. don't go by that URL either. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. And it's like we said in uh, our Patreon review of Lost World uh, last weekend was that he does have that character growth and he does develop some leadership. And yeah. um, Jeff Goldblum does a really good job in the Lost World of showing. How, the effects that this original film would have on a person. The PTSD that he has. From, yeah, you absolutely. Know, kind of like, and it, uh, it shows. It absolutely shows. Yeah. Uh, that was one thing, too, because I hadn't seen, not to get on, you know, off topic here. Uh, whenever I did go back to watch The Lost World for that review, I noticed uh, Jeff Goldblum gives a really good performance in that mm-hmm. movie, uh, through and through. Yeah. You know, and everything with the way he's dealing with his daughter to the way he's 
Everything. Uh, so the one last note that I have for this movie is that uh, I would not drink rainwater, no matter what you gave it to me through. Uh, that's a good way to get uh, one of my notes. bad <laughs> diarrhea in, in the middle of Costa Rica and have to get airlifted out to a hospital. But, yeah, especially when you're stuck in a uh, Jeep that's yeah. not moving and you can't go anywhere. And when you got to go, you got to go. You got to go. So I've got some notes on the goggles. And these are just some ideas that came to mind. I, as far as I know, that was never like part of the toy line or I don't want to call it a play set, but any sort of prop that you could get uh, as part of the toys for the Seems movies. like it was built for that. It seems like it was built for it. Yeah. And, uh, okay, Jurassic Park would make for a great VR experience. It really would, this yeah. This would be like the perfect headset. I haven't even thought order. about that. What about a, a one where they just, you're in the tour vehicle, in the tour vehicle, and there, there have been a few, there was a Jurassic Park uh, 3 game, it was a pistol game, you know, that you could sit in like a car type thing. Did you have your, Did you ever play that? Uh, no, no. It was no. like Time Crisis or one of those shooting games, like Lucky and Wild, do you remember Lucky and Wild? <laughs> I remember Lucky okay. and Wild, yeah. Uh, so it's like, basically, you're. it's a screen game where you're shooting at raptors and stuff like that, and I think they had a version of it where you were actually sitting in a car, and you're just kind of a locked on-rail shooter. So... Kind of like a motion simulator, like um, uh, to a little bit. Star I mean, it Tours didn't really move around a lot, but it's mm-hmm. it's one of those games where you're looking at like Operation Wolf, or uh, where you're looking at the screen and you have the gun and you're yeah. shooting. Ah, oh, there's an Aliens game like this that's over at the Chuck E. Cheese that we went to about <laughs> nine years ago. You remember that <laughs> Aliens Extinction? Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about like a full on VR experience. Like you yeah. cannot mm-hmm. see anything else. I mean, just imagine trying to navigate through the kitchen with the Raptors around you. Yeah, like actually. I can't imagine. Them. There's that, of course, the one we talked about in Ghostbusters Minute, the uh, Ghostbusters VR experience that's at uh, Madame Tussauds House yes. of Wax. It oh, sounds awesome. Yeah, I would love. You're right, dude. Something like this, like for Jurassic Park, they really need to make that for Universal Studios. And yeah, seriously. Yeah. Uh, that's all I've got for this minute. Do you have anything else? That's all I have. Well, I, I love your idea for a VR uh, experience. We need to start writing that thing right now. And seriously. I'm sure somebody's already developed it out there, but that would be an amazing uh, VR experience. Listeners, if you have any like cool ideas or anything like that, send us an email with them because I love uh, interacting with everybody about these kinds of ideas. Yeah. So Very cool. That's all, all I right. got. We'll be back tomorrow for Minute Number 62. Please join us for that. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And until next time, hold on. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Media, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Media. Mahalo! Mahalo!